Hi, folks. It's Rabbi Sharon Brouse here. You are listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our guest speakers, our teachers, anything we think worth listening to that we can capture, you can hear right here. Thank you so much for being with us. Rabbi Tzadok shared with me um, earlier in the week that she had read an article um, just uh, maybe a week ago that basically says that we all need a month off now that all of this is behind us. Um, after the year that we've just navigated and survived, we all need at least a month off. If you have cared for loved ones, if you have offered eulogies, if you've given blessings, if you have balanced budgets, if you have gone into the supermarket and purchased food that you could bring to others, if you have taught, if you have written, if you have created, if you have protested, if you've organized, if you've shown up even while trying to hold your own anxiety and fear and isolation, you deserve a break. You deserve some time to breathe. Amen. And so it seems very appropriate for our first Shabbat back that the Torah portion that we are reading is Parshat Bahar B'chulkotai. In the beginning of Parshat Bahar, we see the description or the prescription for Shemitah, which is the sabbatical for the land. This is the time that we are called when we enter the land to work for six years and then to take a break on the seventh year. God says in the seventh year there will be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Shabbat, a Shabbat for the Lord, Shabbat Laronai. Shemitah is about giving the land a break because if we think we need a break, how about the land itself? We learn that it needs to lie fallow in order to be healthier. And ultimately, it will yield greater abundance if it actually gives itself a break. But Shemitah is also not only about the land, but also about the society. Because during this seventh year, the land is ownerless, and all of the people, everyone, has equal access to your property. Your property is not actually yours. Your property belongs to God, and everybody has access to it. And not only that, but say you owe someone some money. Say you are in debt. All of your debt is also forgiven. What's happening in Shemitah is that the Torah is addressing interlocking struggles of environmental justice and social justice, economic equality. And in this way, Shemitah is becoming a great social equalizer. This opportunity after six years of hard work to take a step away and to make the world a little bit more fair and a little bit more just through this kind of redistribution. And Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Kalisher writes that the Torah ordains that all people should be treated equally during this, the seventh year. The rich and the poor have completely equal access to the fields to eat their full, their fill. And in fact, we see that Shemitah is a prescription for overhauling an entire society as we know it, agriculturally, socially, economically. The entire landscape of the society shifts for just about a year. And there's more because we learn that the value of Shemitah is not only for the land and for our society, for our community, but it's actually for our souls. And here I want to bring to you the words of Rev Cook, who wrote this most extraordinary volume, Shabbat Aretz, in um, around the year 1910. 
He writes in this that planted within every one of us is the desire for a righteous and a good life, a desire to live in harmony with what is just and what is true, that every single one of us, by virtue of being human, yearns for peace and tranquility, for, for grace and for courage. We yearn to be in sync with the divine. But the very nature of our lives, he wrote over a hundred years ago, obfuscates the spiritual majesty of that divine yearning and prevents its bright and shining light from radiating into this reality. And so we become callous. It's inevitable because relationships are treacherous and power and inequality and coercion and corruption poison our society. They did then and they do now. But don't think that it is just a natural, inevitable part of our relationships and our communal life. It actually takes a toll on our souls. A and, and therefore, we who are born and, and planted within us is this divine yearning for love and truth and compassion and empathy, instead are degraded by the everyday, by just being human in this world by raging oppression, he says, by coercion, by the quest for material profit. And the only way to heal, he says, is Shemitah, is to take this break because we need a break from the, from the cares and, and from the toil and from the routine and from the worries. Shemitah allows us to reconnect with the purity and the purpose of life. And we talk about this a lot at Ikar, and you've heard me quote this again and again. He says, it is the periodic suspension of the normal, the periodic suspension of the social routine that elevates people when we become morally settled, that lifts us spiritually and morally and crowns us with perfection. And so we're asked by the Torah to imagine this, this year away from our lives, a year in which we're on a different schedule, in which we engage in a different routine, a year in which we take absolutely nothing for granted, Nothing for granted. Beth, are you okay? <laughs> I do not want to suggest, thank you all, that the year that we've just been through is a sabbatical. For me, it was nothing at all like a sabbatical. I suspect for none of us was this anything at all like a sabbatical because I know that during this time we worked harder than we've ever worked before. I know that the boundaries between our homes and our work were completely eviscerated. I know that even those who were unable to work in this time held an emotional burden that was greater than even in the busiest of times. This was not a year of rejuvenation and relaxation. And yet, when the Torah describes taking a year and letting the field lie fallow. I can't help but think of the echoes of this past year. This year, this year plus, in which our relationships with our work and our community and our lives, it was all put on hold and we were forced to engage in a totally different way. And no, the sabbatical, this pandemic has not been a radical social equalizer. We learned that really on when we were all when we were all saying early on that we were all in the same boat and then we realized that we were all in the same storm, but we were not all in the same boat. And yet nobody was spared from this. Nobody, nobody among us was spared the fear and anxiety and trauma of this time. Has this not 
been above all else a year of the suspension of the normal. There's so much loss in this time. The rabbis say that observing the Shemitah is the hardest of all of the mitzvot. And yet, this time is the time that we need in order for our souls to be transformed. And so I just want to ask us, as we now begin to re-enter this world, I want to ask us where we want to be on year eight. After the six years of work, after the seventh year of break, suspension from the normal, where do we want to be when we now start to re-enter? We would never have chosen this time apart. But now that our normal was suspended for us, now that we've been morally awakened, now that we have stared at the fragility of life in the eye, now that we have affirmed how broken and how vulnerable and how profoundly connected we are, how will we come back? I wonder if we'll be impatient with each other. I wonder if we'll be unkind. I wonder if we'll be easily affronted and quick to anger. I wonder if we'll be annoyed by the wind or the air conditioned or just be thrilled and grateful to be sitting next to each other. I wonder if we'll complain when there's no more locks left at lunch or if we'll just be grateful to be eating with other human beings again. My sister Dev, as you, many of you know, is an urban homesteader. So during this year plus, she helped us plant the most beautiful little garden in our house. And I was so impatient. I really wanted to plant a sumo tree so that we could get those most amazing oranges for free on our own property. <laughs> and I just wanted them, and I wanted them now. But Deb wanted me to slow down. So when we'd find markings on the leaves that were starting to grow, she would say things like, Cher, pay attention to that. There's something for us to learn from that. And I would say, what do you mean? What are we supposed to do with this? Is it infested? Do we have to pull it out? Do we have to start over? And she would say, no, just notice it. It's trying to teach you something. It's giving you some good information. <laughs> Apparently, I in permaculture, they're taught that, that we have to observe the land for one full year before we make any permanent decisions. They say that this gives us time to notice the microclimates and to note the path of the sun and to discern between different kinds of soil and to think about patterns of rainfall. This time only makes us plant better, less impulsively, more purposefully. Well, we did not choose it, but we took that year, friends. We, we took that time. And now we're getting ready to plant together more purposefully and maybe more permanently for the future. I know that what we grow together now will be different from whatever would have been had we been able to bypass this year that we didn't ask for. We will be better, though. We will be less reactive now and more purposeful. If we've paid attention, like Dev says to, and if we've noticed, and if we've listened, and if we've learned, I know that this eighth year will be a year of the triumph of the Spirit. It says in the Psalms, Hazorim bedima berina yiktzoru, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. And we know that some of the tears that we shed sometimes in our lives are shed um, in vain. They're wasted tears. But when we take the time to observe the land and to cultivate the land and to cure the soil so that it's rich and fertile, we're ready for what comes. And then those tears make growth possible. And one day, those tears will bear the most beautiful fruit. 
So I just want to say to us on this first Shabbat that we're back together, and my God, it's such a miracle and such a blessing to be able to see your faces. And for all of you who I can't see right now, but I will and we will in the days ahead, we have been through so much in this past year. We fought to stay alive. We fought to keep each other safe. We held each other with grace and with tenderness. And we've remembered again and again the preciousness of friendship and touch and community. We've made rich the soil for our transformation and we have wept. And I know that our tears in this time will be tears of grief, tears of fear, tears of concern, tears of loneliness, but most of all, they will have been tears of love. And those tears are not wasted. They never are. From all those tears, something truly beautiful is being born in this moment and in the days ahead. May we all be blessed to share in the harvest in the days ahead of us. Wish you all Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back. Hi, it's Mayim Bialik, actor, neuroscientist, Ikar member, and lover of all things Jewish. Do you like what you're listening to? Please consider donating to Ikar so that we can continue creating more podcasts and fulfilling our mission of harnessing untapped energy in the Jewish community to reanimate Jewish life, embody moral courage, nurture the spirit, and work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Why don't you visit our website at ikar-la.org and give today.